Well, good morning. You know, this is the ninth year at Heritage. I think the last time I spoke at chapel was the very first year of Heritage. Obviously, I did such a bang-up job, they never asked me to do it again. I do want to welcome, obviously, the seniors to their last chapel uh, of the, their high school career. I also want to welcome, welcome the parents. I know we have a bunch of parents from, uh, of some of our seniors that are here today as well. You know, um, yeah, that's okay. We can give them some applause as well. You know, I, I never really angled to speak more at chapel. I'm always, I always feel a little bit um, inadequate handling scripture because it's God's word. Uh, and I just always felt this kind of unease about opening the word to a larger group. It's hard enough for me to study it myself. And, and I think that's probably why I wasn't asked to do it again. And that's okay. I wasn't really, like I said, angling to do it. Uh, but it is my joy to do it today. Uh, with the seniors for their last day, certainly my daughter's last uh, chapel. Um, and obviously my tenure is coming to an end as well. You know, I, I want to start out by uh, sharing, this is kind of weird since I'm getting ready to leave, I wanted to share a little bit about uh, myself and my testimony as kind of a kickoff uh, to what I want to talk about today, because my sense is I'm probably like most of you uh, are right now. In other words, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home with Christian parents who still are alive and love the Lord. Uh, went to church from the earliest time I could remember. Um, I was in public school through eighth grade, but you know, as my parents kind of started to really understand what you know living this full Christian life is about, ended up going to a Christian high school, which I loved. Uh, graduated in 1989, which is exactly 30 years ago from this. My high school class is celebrating their 30th reunion this summer. After that, went to a Christian college. That's where I met my wife. Um, Christian uh, graduate school for my master's degree. And then my entire career has been in Christian education up to this point. Um, and it's not changing. Nevertheless, uh, and I, I remember, I don't remember the moment when I didn't know the Lord, right? I I asked Jesus into my heart as a young child. I, don't, I can't remember when it was. I'm sure it was at a, I have a recollection, maybe it was at some sort of church event. But I don't remember a time, I really don't remember a time where I didn't know the Lord. And I'm thankful for that. But the challenge is, Christian, you know, living a Christian life is difficult. Um, and there are certainly moments in my own life when I reflect back and I wonder, you know, well, I, I wish I would have done that better. Or I wish the Holy Spirit would have informed me more in this particular area, that particular area. I'm sure all, again, in this similarity uh, that many of you have, right, there's peaks and valleys to this Christian life, right? What's happening, what's good, what's not good. Um, but the reality is my life was really pretty easy, uh, and it has been up to this point. I'm thankful for that. But, you know, when you're in middle school and high school, uh, for the most part, at least this was the case for me, and I still remember this, even though, as I said, I graduated from high school 30 years ago. It's really just about getting through each day. That's kind of, that was my approach. I knew Jesus. He was my Savior, but it was really much just go along to get along. It's pretty content and happy. Most of my needs were satisfied. 
my, one of my big regrets is it wasn't until I became an adult and became mature in my faith where I really started to get into Scripture and understand what it was teaching. That's where I started to learn really what did God want from my life. You know, and I think back and I, I kind of regret the time that I wasted not being serious about my faith. Again, I never questioned that Jesus had died for me, but it really wasn't regular part of who I was, certainly as a uh, high school student, really even into my college years, to be perfectly blunt. Um, I didn't do enough to spend time in the Word, uh, nor was I always seeking His will for my, for my life. There was, a, there was an epiphany, though, and this was, I'd already graduated college. My wife and I had, had married before either of us was done, and she was finishing up her senior year. Our kids weren't anywhere close to us at this point. Um, now, I didn't, you know, one of these, uh, the world kind of says, hey, you know, get, get good grades in high school, get into a good college, get a good job, make a lot of money, right? That seems to be kind of this idea out there, uh, the American dream. That was, I'd kind of bought into that, to be perfectly honest, as well. Um, as I said, I was graduated from college. I was just doing a kind of an hourly job to, to my wife, graduated from college, and I was actually going to law school. We were about two months away from me going to law school. I wanted to be a lawyer. I thought, oh, I want to work in a big corporate, you know, corporate law firm. I want to be rich. I want to do all of these kind of things. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm doing this hourly data entry job two or three months away from moving to Ohio for, for law school. We're, we're down in South Florida at this time. Now, I didn't hear an audible voice, uh, but it is as clear as day that the Holy Spirit was moving me in a totally radical different direction, right? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to figure this out. We don't have a lot of money because we're married. We're living with my parents actually at this point while she's finishing college. It's not the way to uh, be newlyweds. Uh, but we were poor and we were in college, but we were in love. Um, as I said, there was no audible voice, but it, I, it was clear as day that the Holy Spirit was telling me that law school was not my future, that my future actually was in education. I was supposed to be a teacher. I had a history degree at the time. Um, you know, I had a passion for coaching and basketball and, and you know, working with kids. I'd had experiences doing that. Um, and while, again, God didn't speak to me audibly, it was clear that was my path, right? I remember excitedly getting home, waiting for my wife to come home. She was student teaching at that point because she's a teacher as well, and saying, hey, you know, I've got this sense. I can't explain it, but it's clear that I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to do something in education and not go to law school, right? I, I want to teach and coach. And it, I mean, it was really like that. Um, that started the career that I'm still in today, which I'm very thankful for. Um, but I, I say all that to say, you know, that, that happened when I was, I don't know, 21 or 22, and I'm still certainly very much a work in progress. But I really regret wasting the time that I had in middle school, in high school, and growing in my faith, right? Again, I didn't do enough to do it. I wasn't, it wasn't as big a priority as it needed to be. Um, so one of my encouragements to all of you is to make sure that you are doing everything you can to grow in your faith in Christ. It's interesting, um, Mr. Lukianic and I, we hadn't done this before, 
over the course of the last, I don't know, month or, or six weeks, each of us has met with each eighth grade student one-on-one. As they're, uh, I think this is going to be something that continues at HCA. They're making the transition out of middle school into high school. We want to make sure that, you know, answer any questions they have, share a little bit about what we're looking for, uh, for the school. We split them up. There's, you know, 51 kids in that class. Um, so we, you know, we each took, you know, 23, 24, 25 kids for a li- just a short one-on-one conversation. The great news is, you know, as I was meeting with the, the students that I met with, I asked each one, are they a Christian? Can they explain what they mean, what, what that means? And every one of them was able to perfectly. They were able to say, yes, they, you know, they trust in Jesus. He died for their sins. Jesus is their Savior, something along those lines, right? We all know that answer. And I'm not saying any of this to pick on any of the eighth graders, so I apologize. I'm not certainly going to name any names. The challenge, though, and this, again, ties into my regret, one of the regrets I have, and one of the challenges I want to present to you all, is the words, accepting Jesus, in a sense, that's the easy part. There has to be something that flows from that, right? There has to be an action after that. The living the Christian life is really the reality of what we need to do to reflect what Jesus has done for us. So one of the things that we were talking about, you know, we, I know student council shared with all of us the honor code. That was part of the conversation I was having with each eighth grader. Now that you claim Christ... What should be flowing from that, that reality, if in fact that is a reality of your heart? We should see something that reflects Jesus and your trust in him. Scripture teaches us about the fruit of the Spirit, right? By, by their fruit you will know me, right? We should see that. That's the challenge for all of us. If in fact you sit here today as a follower of Christ, if I were to ask you individually, you know, are you a Christian, what does that mean? And you were able to say, yeah, I have trust in Jesus. He's died for me. That's not the end of the story. There has to be something that flows from that. That's the challenge for us as we move forward. I want to um, read a passage of Scripture. This is from Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Uh, Jesus is with some Pharisees. They're trying to trick him. You're probably familiar with this passage in some way. Starting at verse 36, it says, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You know, every time I meet with a prospective family that's interested in coming to HCA, I use this passage every time. The main reason I use it is to talk about the biblical basis for why HCA exists. Um, And I tie in biblical integration, Christian worldview, with this concept, especially around loving our neighbor, right? The argument being that education isn't a utilitarian uh, exercise. It's not something, again, that's supposed to get us into a good college to get a good job and make a lot of money. That may happen. God may allow that to happen. But education is not not designed around a utilitarian uh, um, emphasis, It's really to learn more about God and his will for us. That's all it is. When I say that's all it is, that's a big deal. That's what education is for. That's why HCA exists. That's the beautiful uh, nature of being in a Christian school, that we can study all of these subjects in light of who God is, how he designed things to work. 
But, you know, as I've, uh, you know, again, I've used this passage for years now in meeting with new families. If some of you have come in at some point as a new family, perhaps, and some kids come with their parents when they meet with me, uh, you've probably heard part of this as well. I, I mean, I use it every time. Um, obviously, it talks a lot about love, right? Love God and love your neighbor. You know, I know oftentimes we think about love. Some of you have a boyfriend, a girlfriend. You get these warm, fuzzy feelings. I confess that happened to me as well. I get it. I mean, we all go through that. Um, well, we want to make sure we understand love in this context is not really, it's not an emotion. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling, right? Love needs to be leading to action. Something needs to happen uh, as a result. Over the years that I've been at HCA, um, you know, we've spent a lot of time trying to improve the school. How do we improve the academic program? How do, you know, we can hire new teachers, change curriculum, change the schedule around. We've done that in fine arts. We've done that in athletics. We've done that in STEM. There's lots of things, uh, you know, uh, programs, protocols that we've put in place to make improvements. The one area that continues to flummox me is how do we improve the spiritual development or spiritual climate of the, of the school and the students? Now, I recognize ultimately it's the work of the Holy Spirit doing that. There's no doubt it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, but I think there are things that the school can do, and it's based on this concept of loving God and loving your neighbor. And that's really where the, this honor code came out of, right? As you reflect on this, this is for the seniors as they're getting ready to leave and for all the other students who are going to be coming back. Again, if you accept Christ as you're sitting here and Christ is your Savior, I want you to reflect on now and over the next days and weeks, what does it mean to love God with all my soul, mind, and strength? And what does it mean to love my neighbor? Right? Those are the two great commandments as Jesus gave them to the people he was talking to. That it really, in, in one sense, it's relatively simple. Obviously, in our sinful uh, nature, it's very, very difficult. But that's what, you know, as I move on to my next uh, career path, that's really what I want you to dwell on. What does it mean for me to love God with all my soul, heart, and mind? And what does it mean to love my neighbor? That was the challenge I gave to the eighth graders as I was meeting each of them, as we were talking about this honor code. It's a challenge I want to leave for all of you. What does that mean? I found this uh, book, again, going back to this idea that love is not a warm, fuzzy feeling. Uh, this is a book. Um, the, the guy's name is, he's French, of some, uh, Jean Vanier. He founded a uh, faith-based ministry overseas. He argues that love has seven components to it. Okay, again, we're talk, talking about loving God, loving our neighbor. Seven components. It's an action. It's a verb. It's not a noun. He says, love is to reveal value in the other person, to understand the other person, to communicate with the other person, to celebrate the life of the other person, to empower the other person, to be in community with the other person, to forgive and be forgiven. That's according to Jean Vanier. And his vision gives us some food for thought. These are tangible expressions of love that are sadly lacking in many areas of life today. Love doesn't mean, and I've said this oftentimes to students, right? I've had students in my office, 
usually, you know, sometimes when there's an interpersonal conflict of some kind, right, an argument, a disagreement, fight, drama, um, you know, I, I remind them that, hey, the Bible doesn't command us to be best friends with each other. 